Morning, Spring Branch. Hey, we didn't clap earlier. That is pretty amazing. Let's praise God for 102 orphans. Wow. Man, thank you for stepping up. Uh, please consider rounding out that 115 orf orphans that will be adopted um, by you here at Spring Branch. Man, God is on the move here. It's exciting to be a part of. Last week uh, was pretty awesome uh, because we had acoustic uh, worship down here on the floor. Uh, last week was pretty great because uh, we talked about how relationships are meant uh, to have no walls, just like the ocean, right? Just like the beach. No walls out there, no walls in here, no walls in our relationships. Because when we live a life with no walls, we get to experience a love with no limits. How many of us want to experience a love that is boundless, a love that has no limits? And so when we take that, that step and break through that wall, we get to experience intimate, personal relationships with each other and with God, right? So last week was great. It was awesome. Uh, but even better than all those things, so to speak, was the air show. That's right. The air show was pretty awesome last week. Uh, my wife and I and our kids went out on a boat. Uh, we have friends who have a boat which is better than actually owning a boat, I hear, right? Because of all the payments and maintenance and everything. So we're trying to get to know people who have boats. Um, so just to throw it out there, just being honest. Uh, we were on a boat ride, and we got to see the air show from the bay. It was pretty amazing what those planes can do. And so listening to music, hanging out, hanging out with friends, having a good time. I go back to our friend's house, and uh, it was actually our small group just hanging out with each other. There was a pool, and it was a beautiful evening, not a cloud in the sky. Uh, it was just perfect and great conversation. And then it happened. Then it happened. It's almost too good to be true, right? <laughs> then it happened. All of a sudden, I hear this, like, blood-curdling scream that just kind of chills your bones. And, you know, I'm like, what is that? It's like fingernails on a chalkboard, full stereo, surround sound. I'm like, surely it's not my kid. Of course, it was my kid, Lila, my five-year-old daughter, uh, had, uh, had bonked her lip and uh, punctured a hole through her lip. They were playing on this like lily pad, this like Maui mat out in the water, a bunch of kids wrestling and, and just, just kind of having fun together. Uh, very innocent, right? It's all fun and games, so somebody gets their lip poked through, right? And so there she is. Uh, and she, she's got blood just flowing down off of her chin. I'm like, oh my gosh, here we go. So I take her hand and I'm walking her up uh, to mommy. And it, <laughs> why is that funny? Why is that funny? It's actually part of the story. As soon as I hand her to mommy, she stops crying. What is it with us dads, right? We try our best to be heroes. Um, but there, there's, there's my wife, Lindsay, scooping her up off the ground. I mean, I, I thought I was doing a great job holding her hand, you know, right there with her. But Lindsay scoops her up off the ground and just holds her tight. And Lindsay gets her blood and her dirt and her tears all over her. That's my wife. <laughs> yeah. I married her. <laughs> I married up big time, but... Uh, it turns out her, her, her lip was okay, didn't need any stitches, but as I was thinking back about it, 
That's what we want, right? We want to know that somebody is with us. Everybody say with. Today we're talking about the power of with. The power of with. It takes a village, doesn't it? Life is too hard to fly solo. Life is too hard to walk alone. We don't know what's around the corner, but we do know who's around the corner, and that is our family, our friends, our people, and most importantly, we know that God is around the corner, and he is preparing a way for us. He wants to take care of us, and he is the kind of God that gets our tears and our blood and our dirt all over him. That's the kind of God we serve. But it's a question that we all ask. It's a question we all ask. Who is with me? Who is with me? Who is with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? Maybe you don't actually utter those words, but in your own way, you're asking every day, are you with me? Maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your friend, maybe it's your coworker, somebody in your life, you're asking, are you with me? Because deep down inside us as humans, we have this innate desire to be connected, to be heard, to be seen, to be valued, to matter, to feel important. We have this deep, deep embedded desire within us to be connected to one another. That's life, that's relationships, to be fully known and fully loved, right? But yet we live in this culture that is that has never been so connected, right? You think about Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, and we can text each other, and we can call each other and email. I mean, we've never been so connected. Yet, we've never been so disconnected. Maybe, maybe you don't raise your hand right now and say, yeah, Heath, I'm lonely. I'm lonely. Maybe you do say that. Maybe you just say, man, I just don't feel connected. I don't feel like I, anybody can really understand what I'm going through. I may share something with them, and they just, they're too busy, or they just give me advice. <laughs> We're good at giving advice, aren't we? But I'm here to tell you this morning that, that we have a God who understands us. We have a God who wants to get our tears and our dirt and our blood all over him. We serve a God of Empathy, and that's what I'll be talking about today is empathy, the power of with, empathy, the ability to understand what others are feeling and experiencing, the ability to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes. You know, throughout the scriptures, we see this story of the people asking this question over and over and over and over again, are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? They're asking each other, and they're also asking God. God, are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? And God, time and time again, reveals himself to his people through burning bushes, through fires, through earthquakes, through whispers, through prophets. Over and over again, God's like, all right, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. I want them to know that I am with them, but over and over again, like a broken record, the people turned their backs on him and rebelled, and they didn't really believe him. They took matters into their own hands. And there was this disconnection, this huge chasm, this huge gap between humans and God, this loving God. And God, at some point, 
just pulled out all the stops, right? His love just overflowed so much. And he's like, all right, here we go. Strap yourself in. And he came down from heaven to the earth to be with us, to be with us. John 1.14, we read, so the word became human and made his home among us. He moved into our neighborhood. He moved into a house next door. Better yet, he moved into our hearts. When we receive him as our Lord and Savior, he moves into our hearts and calls it home. How cool is that? Jesus, God in flesh, he put on skin and bones because he wanted to relate to us. He wanted to identify with us. He wanted to experience what we were experiencing. He wanted to empathize with us. He wanted to put put himself in our shoes. No more disconnection, no more gap, no more chasm, no more miscommunication. He loved us so much that he wanted to be with us, and there's power in that. Matthew 1.23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, everybody say it with me, God with us, God with us. This was revolutionary. You know why? Because this was the Greco-Roman culture. This was the Mediterranean world back then where, you know, everybody, uh, everybody worshipped these gods. It was like dozens and dozens of gods, these Greek gods, and each particular god performed different things that, uh, that, the, the, that the humans could benefit from, but that was about it. There was a huge disconnection between the Greek gods and humans, and it was impossible for the Greek gods to relate to humans. It was impossible for these gods to empathize with humans because their experiences were so different. The gods were like way up in another, another world. They were not down with the people, and so humans and these Greek gods, they could not relate to each other. Empathy was impossible. Homer, maybe you've read, maybe you read the Iliad, he says, no human being will escape troubles in his or her life, for such is the way the gods spun life for unfortunate mortals. That's us, unfortunate mortals. That we live in unhappiness, but the gods themselves have no sorrows. The gods, they're living the high life up there, you know? No sorrow, no despair, no grief, just pure happiness because they are disconnected from us low life, you know? Us unhappy mortals. That's how people lived back then. But yet here God is becoming flesh putting on skin and bones and moving into our neighborhood. This is revolutionary. Are you with me? Isaiah 53, 3 says, He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. It was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. This was hundreds of years before Jesus even came. And by the way, Jesus fulfilled like hundreds and hundreds of prophecies to a T. And this is the one he fulfilled. Jesus came and he he identified with our sorrows and our grief. Everything that was weighing us down, 
He invited upon his own shoulders. He became acquainted with our deepest grief. How many of you have experienced deep grief in your life? Have felt rejected, have felt despised, have felt depression or anxiety? How many of you have felt weak? How many of you have had sorrows that have weighed you down? Guess what? We serve a God who wants to take our sorrows and our anxiety and our despair and our grief upon his shoulders. How beautiful is that? He's acquainted with our sorrows. This was crazy. This was opposite. This was upside down. This was revolutionary back then for a God to step out of heaven to step out of his place and come down to earth to us people in our trenches in our mess and relate to us this is the incarnation God with us God present with us relating to us empathy again is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another do you have empathy fast company Fast Company, this, uh, this, this magazine that I've been reading lately, it talks about leadership, and uh, they, they, they say that the number one quality of leadership, the most important quality of leadership you can have is empathy. It's empathy. Isn't that interesting? It's empathy. The ability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. If you are a leader, which you are, you have influence, and you have the ability to empathize with others, to know what others need, to listen, to know what they want, be able to serve them. Dacher Keltner, author, talks about the power paradox. What's the power paradox? It's somebody who has good qualities and who starts progressing in their career, so to speak, climbing that ladder, gets promoted, and has more and more influence, more and more power. But what happens is the higher they get up on that ladder, the more disconnected, the more of a tendency they have to be disconnected to reality, disconnected to the heartbeat of people. As the power goes up, the empathy goes down. As the power goes up, the empathy goes down, the compassion goes down. Because we get all high and mighty and prideful on our high horse way up there on that ladder and we think we're all that in a bag of chips, <laughs> and we get disconnected if we're not careful, it begins to corrupt our character. Power paradox. We see it all the time in this society, don't we? People start off with pure intentions, good intentions, and they start having more success and more notoriety and more popularity, more followers on Twitter, more likes, and all of a sudden, their head gets all puffed up and they get disconnected with people, the heartbeat of people. They lose their empathy. They lose their compassion. But here's the good news. The most powerful person who ever walked the face of this earth was also the most empathetic person who ever walked the face of this earth. Jesus. Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that light is the light of men. 
Jesus was there from the very beginning. He was the Word. He was with the Word. He is God in the flesh. He has the power at His fingertips to make mountains move. He has power that we can never possibly imagine. He made the universe, the stars and the sky and the valleys and the ocean that we get to enjoy. He made each of us. He is powerful beyond imagination, boundless, matchless in power, yet he became flesh, yet he stoops down into our mess and gets our blood and tears and dirt all over us. I mean, wrap your mind around that for a second. If you've been a Christian for a long time, don't forget that you've got a Savior. You've got a God who gets into your mess. And he knows what it's like to be in your shoes. You can have a personal relationship with this God. We're just going to travel through uh, a particular story in John 11. We find Jesus modeling empathy. And we see what happens as a result of his ability to understand what people are experiencing. His really, really good friend Lazarus, he died. And the news got to Jesus. And Jesus was heartbroken. Jesus' heart was shattered. And he had to take a couple of days to just process it. The news had gotten to him that Lazarus was really, really, really sick on his deathbed. And while he was processing all these things, Lazarus officially took his last breath. And by the time that Jesus got to Bethany, this is the scene, verse 32. When Mary had arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, see that word? A deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. So Jesus finally shows up and I don't know if you've ever struggled with God's timing. I have, <laughs> for sure. When Lindsay and I were trying to start a family and we had all those miscarriages and struck out so many times and just... We would say, you know, what Mary said, God, if only, if only, if only you would answer our prayers, right? It's hard to understand God's timing, but he has the master calendar, right? Because he is the master. We go by our watch, and we want certain things done at a certain time. <laughs> It'd be great, God, by the weekend, if you could just work that out, right? God's like, no, just trust me, kids. I know what's best. I'm your father, remember? And so Jesus shows up after Lazarus had died, and Mary's like, she's angry. She is. She's angry. By the way, it's okay to be angry with God. It's okay to be there. It's not okay to stay there. God's strong enough. He can shoulder our doubt and our anger and our frustration. If you read through the Psalms, you see David angry before God, but then halfway through, there's a but. All those lament psalms, he's like, God, where are you? I thought you loved me. If only, if only, if only. And then there's always a, but I know you're good. I know you're faithful. I know you have a plan. 
And that's what happens here. Jesus saw her weeping. He saw the other people wailing with her. Mary had a small group, by the way, another small group plug. Mary had a group of people. She was weeping. Other people were wailing with her, and a deep anger welled up within Jesus, and he was deeply troubled. He didn't just come and offer advice. He didn't come and say, what's wrong with you? Why didn't you trust me? Why didn't you trust me? He didn't kick them while they were down, condemn them, think less of them. What he did was he identified with their feelings. He slowed down long enough. He wasn't too busy. He slowed down long enough to just soak up what they were feeling. He was observant. He was an observant servant. He was able to soak up what Mary and her friends were experiencing, all their emotions, all their feelings. And so empathy, number one, there are three things that empathy says. The first, empathy says, I see you. Everybody say, I see you. Empathy says, I see you. How often we are so busy, life in the fast land, we don't see people around us that are hurting, that are lost, that are confused. Empathy says, I see you. It's kind of a head level connection. We all want to be seen and heard as humans, right? What I hear you saying is, is a great phrase in the course of conversation. Are we listening with our hearts? Are we listening with, uh, with our hearts? Are we connected to people? Are we noticing people? Empathy says, I see you. I see you and you matter. You are valued. You are important. Mary had a small group. She had, a peop, peop, she had people around her that, that were supporting her, that were caring for her and loving her during this time of sorrow. It takes a village, doesn't it? And last week we talked about the opportunity that we have to go from a row to a circle. Anybody can show up and sit in a circle on a Sunday, uh, sit in a row on a Sunday morning, but life is meant to be lived in a circle. And over these, over these few weeks, we're really uh, encouraging you to jump into a circle, into a small group, because you don't know what's around the corner, right? We need people around us. And so just a quick commercial, a quick timeout from the, from the message, although this is a part of the message. If you go on our website, you can actually scroll through a list of beautiful people, people that could potentially be a part of your life, people that are leading these small groups, that are committing to a, a, a chunk of time each week to gather together, to read scripture, to pray together. These small groups go out and serve together. I've heard stories of people crying together, sharing meals together. Um, like I said last week, uh, on Sunday, we were with our small group there, having a great time together. Just want to challenge you. Challenge you to consider who your people are. Who are you living life with? And you can go out to the lobby after the service, after the town hall meeting. You can go out there and meet Jim and Mike and the rest of our team and get connected to a small group. The first thing empathy says is, I see you. The second thing empathy says is, I feel you. Everybody say, I feel you. That's a fun one to say. I feel you. Verse 34 says, uh, Jesus says, where have you put Lazarus? And he asked them, he asked them, they told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. We all, we all memorized that verse. 
shortest verse in the Bible, maybe the most important verse in the whole Bible, the fact that the God of the universe cries with us. If the Son of God needed to let it out, how much more do we? People who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? See how much Jesus loved Lazarus? And this word wept means that Jesus actually burst out crying. He was bawling. He wasn't just welling up. I mean, these were, these were big tears rolling down his cheeks. And it wasn't just for a couple seconds. It must have been this, this extended period of time where people observed him crying, on his knees, weeping. He was weeping because he lost his friend, but he was also weeping because he could identify with how everybody else was feeling in that moment. He could feel them at a heart level. Some of us have a, have a fear to feel. See, empathy only happens when we're willing to unlock that, that, that box that we've put all of our past memories in, you know? We've got to remember some of our ugly in our past and be able to grab some of that for a particular conversation with somebody that we love. And how many times God has, uh, God has reminded me of our miscarriages, he's reminded me of the addiction that I had for a number of years. I don't know how many times he's reminded me of my knee surgeries and just how emotionally painful that was in middle school. He's reminded me of those ugly times so that I can enter in emotionally and relate to people who are going through similar stories, right? But we have a fear to feel. We don't want to feel anything that we felt in the past, right? We don't want to relive it. It's painful. But yet, I think that's what God is calling us to when it comes to empathy. When we're sitting across the table for somebody and they're telling us something, they've had that step of courage to break down that wall and to reveal something to us. In that moment, we shouldn't give them advice. We should enter into how they're feeling and do our best to feel what they're feeling. Even if that means unlocking that vault that we put all of our past memories in, all our past hurt in, and reaching into that vault and tasting some of what we experienced in the past so that we can enter in emotionally with that person, so we can cry some tears, so we can identify with what that person's feeling. So the second thing that empathy says is, I feel you. I see you, and I feel you. There's a Swedish proverb that says that uh, shared joy is double the joy, and shared sorrow is half sorrow. I like that. When somebody else rejoices with you, it like doubles your joy, doesn't it? When somebody else enters into your sorrow and shares that burden with you, it almost like, it's almost like it cuts the sorrow in half, right? Like you're carrying around this heavy weight on your back and you give some of it to a friend and they help carry it. It's like, oh, that's half the weight. Thank you. Thank you. That's what community is all about. The third thing that empathy says is, I'm with you. I'm with you. I see you, I feel you, and I'm with you. This is a life level. I think notoriously as a church, we're really good uh, doing a drive-by, um, you know, hug or meal. And, you know, when, when, when stuff hits the fan in somebody's life, we're really good initially about swooping in and doing a great funeral and, and doing all these good, good things for people. But there are certain people that do a really good job of just journeying with people over time on those anniversaries, on those holidays, on those birthdays. Walking with people, it's a commitment, a life commitment. Jesus walked with 
Mary to the tomb, to that dark place. We know the rest of the story, right? Jesus prayed to his Father, and Lazarus rose from the grave, a symbol of what was to come, that Jesus has the power over death, because he is the resurrection and the life, amen? Jesus had the power over death and darkness. Jesus went into darkness, didn't he, on the cross? The epitome of what it looks like to be empathetic. The cross is God's way of saying, I see you, I feel you, and I'm with you. That's what the cross says. Every day we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have a God who's in the trenches with us. He's in the mess with us. And he gets our blood, our tears, and our dirt all over him because he loves us. Give it to him. Let him take it. Ultimately, we see a God dying on the cross for us. He gets our sin all over him because he loves us. The bottom line today is this. When we know who is with us, we can face what comes against us. Don't forget that this week. When you know who is with you, you can face what comes against you. You guys could just listen to this message online each week and not show up here on a Sunday morning. You could do that. It's called Bedside Baptist. It's called Rollover Reformed. It's called Church of the Holy Comforter. Right? Pastor Pillow preaches a pretty good message. Or you could come and sit in a row and have this corporate family worship connected experience where you can look across the room and know that you're not alone. There are people in this room who've experienced cancer. There are people in this room who've experienced loss of a loved one in the military. There are people in this room who've experienced heartache, broken relationships, divorce, abuse. We are a family. We need to be connected to each other. Take that step into a circle, into community. Get to know each other. And may we say that we can see people, feel people, Maybe we say that we, can, we are with people. That's the challenge this morning. Let one person know this week. Everybody put up a one. Let one person know this week that you see them, that you feel them, and you are with them. Maybe stop giving them advice. Don't fix their problem. Fulfill their emotion, right? Validate the way they're feeling. and Enter into the way they're feeling. Identify. Put yourself in their shoes. One quick part of the opening story that I, that I left out was my son, Rhett. While Lila was covered in blood and Lindsay was covered in blood and dirt, Rhett apparently was around the corner hiding behind a bush. He was distraught. He didn't get hurt physically, but he, he, was, he was crying. He was, he, was, he was wailing. He was covered in tears because he felt so bad for Lila. I walked over to him, I'm like, Rat, what's wrong? He's like, Lila's really hurt. Lila's really hurt. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> he, was, he was identifying with Lila. See, he had, a, had an injury a few years ago. He has a scar up on his forehead. And, and because of his scar, he, he, he knew what she was feeling like. And he, he was crying her tears. And I just told him, buddy, I'm so proud of you. 
God, if you're allowing your heart to be broken in this moment and feeling what Lila's feeling, that's, that's called empathy. And that's going to be a great illustration for my message next week. So, <laughs> I didn't say that. But. Um, let's just wrap up here. We need, we need to make sure we protect our time. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your grace, your love for us. Thank you that uh, you are with us. You are present with us in our disappointment, in our discouragement, in our mess. May we rejoice when others rejoice. May we mourn when others mourn. And God, may we experience the power of with. Amen.